the Lord. So let's go before the Father this morning. And Lord, we just thank you, Father, for your goodness, your kindness, your grace, your mercy. Lord, with you, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible with you. We declare you the God of the impossible. We declare this morning, we stand on the promise of Philippians chapter one, Lord, verse six, it says that, that, that he, you, Lord, that have begun this good work in us, will be, are be, is able and faithful to complete it in us. You who started this work by a miracle intervention are able to finish us by another miracle intervention. The former, the latter reigns, Lord. And to bring us, Lord, on this earth as full-grown sons and daughters now, Lord, that our lives would become the reflection of your life. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the blood that you shed on that cross. And we thank you for your body that was given for us, Lord. And you are the Lamb of God. And because of that, we've been forgiven. Because of that, you, you are our righteousness. And because of that, we can come boldly to the throne of grace, obtain mercy in our time of our need. Because of that, we, Lord, can now partake of your Melchizedek priesthood, your high priestly ministry, Lord. And as a, as a bride, as a priest, we can minister to your heart. And Lord, and, and from that place that you can release to us as a son and a king, Lord, your will on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you today that we've been disconnected from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil by that sacrifice. And we're connected to the tree of life that's in the midst of the garden. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that today there would be a release that would cause us to repent, change and overcome so that we can be seated with you on your throne, even as you overcame and sat down in your father's throne. Lord, prepare us position us to come up through that door open in heaven so that we can see and hear the things which are about to come hereafter so that we Lord that this day will not catch us unawares Lord that it will not come upon us like a thief in the night that we'd be a ready people a prepared people a positioned people to be propelled with your glory and Lord that today that you're forming us together as a wheel within a wheel each part supplying what the other needs and we're coming under your headship, Jesus. We're coming, um, coming under your direct authority, Lord, that you are the Lord Jesus Christ over our lives, over our body, soul, and spirit. So we pray this morning, draw us, Lord. Draw us to you, Lord. Draw us in this broadcast. Draw us to your heart, Lord. And we, our body, soul, and spirit will run after you. O King, bring us into your chambers. Lord, bring us to the depth of your heart. We see you, but we want to see you better. We know you, but we not want to see you we want to know you better. We hear you. We want to hear you better. Open our eyes to see like we've never seen before, Lord. Let us see you. Open our ears to hear you like we've never heard you before. Open our hearts to understand you as we've never understood you before. Teach us your ways, O oh God, that we may know you. That's our prayer today, God. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We bless you, Lord. And we put this gathering into your hands, Lord. And we thank you for that, Father. And now, Lord, we give you all the glory, all the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, welcome this morning. I'm going to put a couple of things up on the screen for you here on the chat line. So that we have it here ahead of time. People go back to it. New York. Connectedy.
nine convergence. This belt's gonna have to be right, did I? Oh well, praise the Lord. That is good. So we're so glad. I just want to put this up real quick on there so that I make sure I get it on there. And I, I, it's just true, true, full-grown sons of God on the earth because that's what we are. We just have to realize who we are, what we are, and allow God to bring that sonship, his sonship, his life, to be the reflection of our life, that he can live our his life through us. As he obeyed the Father 100%, we can obey the Father 100% in obedience by Jesus in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's our positioning. So praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I want to start today with 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, for brethren, I could not talk to you as spiritual men, but as to non-spiritual men of the flesh in whom the carnal nature predominates, as to mere infants, unable to talk yet. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not strong enough to be ready for it. But even yet you are not strong enough for it. For you are still unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh. Unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh. That's what I've been talking about. Flesh and spirit. They're able to go into the outer courts. They're able to go into the holy place. But that flesh and spirit cannot go behind the veil into the holy of holies. There's no mixture there. It's all God. All God in his glory. A standing before the Lord in his glory. And that's why this is important. For you are still mere unspiritual men of the flesh. For as long as there's envy, jealousy, jealousy, wrangling factions among you, are you not unspiritual of the flesh, behaving yourself as man's standard, like mere unchanged men? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not proving yourselves ordinary unchanged men? What is Apollos? What is Paul? Ministering servants. Ministering servants. Notice he doesn't say, I am your spiritual father. Notice he doesn't say, I am the apostle Paul. Here's my card. He is those things. But listen to what he says. But what really are we? I like that, don't you? We're ministering servants. We are not heads of parties. That is so powerful. We are ministering servants. See, they're, that fivefold ministry gifts are laid between the cornerstone and the finishing stone. And we're going to look at that, why that's so critical. The Bible ministry was called to be laid here on the bottom, not on the top over everybody. Not They're not to be over. There's not two classes of people, Bible ministries and everybody else. There isn't. There is a Bible ministry, but it, it's not separated from everybody else. They're part of everybody else. They're not over everybody else. Matter of fact, the true position is under everybody else. Why? Because they're ministering servants. Boy, that's a word today. Don't you believe it? Don't you? Don't you agree with me? That's a word. So you have Jesus, the cornerstone, and you have apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist, and then you have Jesus, the finishing stone. You get Jesus, the Lamb of God, standing here as our foundation, as our cornerstone, you know, our Savior. And then we got the apostle, pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and here is a finishing stone is Jesus, the King of glory. Do you see it? So we got the author and the finisher of our faith. And in between, he gave gifts unto men. It says in the future, he gave gifts unto men. And they would be to be part of this foundation on which the church stands. Look at the difference of spiritual positioning. They're here underneath. And Paul's writing this. And so as I'm sharing this this morning, I'm sharing this to someday, perhaps it'll reach the, the five ministers. 
Perhaps someday, maybe I, the Lord is saving this for posterity, for the for the right time, that maybe at the right season, people will hear this message. Bible ministry will hear this message and begin to see the new that God is doing, you know? Because it's not a welcome message. I understand that right now. It's not a welcome message in, in many of the church. It's not, you know, and that many of the church leaders because the structure that we continue to operate in, that holy place structure, that out-of-court structure, we continue, it still a, remains a recognized institution like in Hebrews 9. So it blocks the true way into the Holy of Holies and it's, and it's incapable of bringing forth full-grown sons. Can't do it. Nope, the full-grown sons are finished behind the veil in the glory realm. That's why this is so critical for us to hear. He says this, we were we are not heads of parties through whom you believed, even as the Lord appointed appointed us each to our task. I planted, Apollos watered. I planted, Apollos watered. But God, all the while, made it grow, and he gave the increase. Start sharing about this wheel within a wheel, the arising of Joel's army, about Joel chapter 2, and about you know the Lord forming us into an army that doesn't break ranks. It doesn't thrust itself on, uh, doesn't thrust itself apart. They walk in unison. They get, they're able to run through a troop and leap over a wall. Good morning, Nicole. God bless you. Glad you could join this morning. You know, we can run through a uh, run through a troop and leap over a wall, and they don't break ranks. And it's like a, a fire goes before them, and it's like a garden in Eden. Uh, you know, you know, uh, you know uh, a desolate wilderness behind them, and a garden Eden before them because they are so one with the Lord. They function as Ezekiel's wheel within a wheel. See, that's critical, beloved. That's critical for us to understand this morning. You know, and and so what it says, and it says, and the Lord utters his voice, Joel chapter two again, before his army, and great is that army that's able to execute or release that word. Great is that army that's able to execute the word. So this is the forming of that arising army, God's deliverers. And one of the things that God's deliverers have to understand is that there's no big shots in the kingdom of God, but the Lord. Everybody else is a little shot. Everybody else is a big shot. And look at, they're all equal. Look at what it says. You know, this hierarchy, this doctrine of the Nicolaitans that puts a clergy up here, a Bible ministry up here, and everybody else here. And now, and, 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 and a vision, a church vision of people seeing that, you know, pastors are seeing that the people that come to our ministry church are here to serve me and serve the vision God's put in me. That's totally backwards. If you notice, Paul says, we are ministering servants. We're underneath. And our mission as Bible ministers is to lift up the body of Christ so they can function, so that they can come into full-grown sonship and be everything God created them to be. And if we're giving our lives to pouring out into them the way God wants us to do, individually, pouring out our lives, you know, training up elders, mothers and fathers in the Lord, raise them up to the place where they can be everything they created to be so that when we come together, we come together in maturity. Not unspiritual, it's like it says, it says in First uh, Corinthians 3, you're still unspiritual. You're acting, behaving like you're unspiritual man. Why? Because they have factions. They had heads of party. Notice that they, they put one person above others. And that's what the present church age system does. It puts people up here and everybody else here. And you have to work your way up like a corporation. If you're faithful to clean the toilets enough, you know, and you're faithful tithing and you come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, and I taught this and said it because that's what I was taught. Then you're ready for ministry. Then you can be given a position. And if you notice in the church, there's only so many positions. So where do, where do the other people go? If it's about positions, if it's about places, if it's about ministries, the way that we've known it to be, you know, there's only so many places. And therefore, everybody else gets buried. But only the select get to be able to function as leaders or whatever they're going to do. Notice what God is building in his kingdom is the exact opposite of that. 
The Bible ministry is here underneath. And God has us pour out into each and every one of the believers as God gives us that measure so that they can increase, that they can know God for themselves, that they can hear God for themselves, that they can grow up into full-grown maturity. And as they grow up, they begin to see their identity, their what God has for them, their purposes and plans. You get to see it. We get to see it together. And then the Lord shows us the bigger picture of how we function together in a region, in a city, in a nation, because now God is building it. The Lord is building the house. It says, unless the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And a lot of notice that one of the things that has to be uh, uh, cleansed off of uh, the, the bride in Isaiah chapter four is the vain, the vanity, you know, building in vain, the vanity, the wrong understanding, the wrong, the not having a sober estimation of where we really are in the Lord. <coughs> and this is what he's telling him. He's telling him, Paul's bringing a correction to the Corinthian church because they're not seeing the body correctly. They're not seeing the functioning of the ministry correctly. Paul has to set it back in right order to explain to them what are our jobs? How does God see us in light of the bigger picture? That's critical, beloved, that we see ourselves, Bible ministry, in the light of the way the Lord does. I haven't heard many apostles say this very often. I hear them saying and declaring what they are, you know, and but I don't see them saying this part. And I don't say that from judgment. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that listen to the Apostle Paul's wording, how he sees himself, how he describes himself, and compare that today with what we call our apostolic ministry. Remember, one of the first things in Revelation chapter two, okay, is that the Lord does command. He says, one, your, your works are no more numerous than they were beginning. I see that. And two, you try them who say they are apostles and are not. So that you can claim you're an apostle, but that doesn't make you one. The apostles of the Lord have a distinguishing mark that looks so different than what today in the church structure we call what an apostle is. A kingdom apostle, a true God apostle, will not look like anything that we would call apostleship today from a position of glory. God, so neither he who plants nor he that waters so neither is he who plants is anything is anything or he who waters so neither he that plants or he that waters is anything anything to be worshiped anything to grab a place a position to lord over people so that's not it or nothing but listen to what he says but only God who makes it grow and becomes greater. Only God who makes it grow and become greater. We're nothing. Whatever's pouring out of us is not us, it's God. And that which substance of Christ in us, the work of Christ in us, that Christ is making you grow. Give him the glory and the honor. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter three, we are not heads of parties. He says, what is Apollos, you know? What is uh, what is Paul? He says you're behaving as spirit as as behaving yourself after standards of men like unchanged men. He says we're not heads of parties. He who plants, I'm in verse eight, and he who waters are equal. Notice equal. He who plants and he who waters equal. This forming army of God, this forming wheel within it wheel, requires equality in God's eyes, that everyone is equal, 
That's why when you come to a divine convergence, you begin to understand what that equality is. We are all one before the Lord. That doesn't diminish the fivefold ministers. It just changes their function. It doesn't diminish the honor that they have from God or the ability that they are gifts from God. And they've been sent to be poured out to help you become everything that God's created you to be. And, you know, and it's the respect that comes with that place and, and honor because they are gifts from the Lord. They're not to be worshipped and they're not heads of party. They're not common. Okay? It doesn't give you the same authority that they have when it comes to the gift part. Okay. But what it does is that we're equal. And that's why when David changed the order of worship and took the Ark of the, Co Ark of the Covenant out and pitched it over the tent, the leaders of Israel and the people of Israel were able to come before the Lord as one people. There was no big people, no little people. And the Holy Spirit flowed through them as God wills. When the church came together at Jerusalem like that, the whole church came together to seek the counsel of God. They came together all together to worship the Lord. And the Holy Ghost spoke through prophetesses spoke to others, you know, the Holy Ghost says. And so you see there was a, a building that where the whole body was able to function together. The whole body was able to supply what each other needs. That's the vision of God, that this these living stones be connected together, each part in the right place, supplying the right stuff so that the body can be functioning as a living, breathing body of Christ, a multi-membered body of Christ on the earth or the arising of Joel's army. They become one with God and one with another. No big people, no little people. Now, what about leadership and people being, being able to lead? That is there. And there will be leaders like Joshua's and Caleb's that God will stand out amongst the people, not to be better, but that is their gift to be able to lead people, to organize people, to put them in a place. And that's where the Bible ministry functions in, in that way to help lead mother, spiritual mothers and fathers, elders help to lead, deacons help to lead the people in the direction of the Lord, but not as positions of, of a hierarchy, but as a functioning positioning together as an army of the Lord like this, connecting together. And we all move together. And that's where, when this happens, when we all come together, five all ministries of body, that's when we can be, that's when Jesus is here, if you can see my thumbs, as the wheel within a wheel. He's the wheel within a wheel. And as he's a wheel within a wheel, now we're connected with him as one so that when those living creatures in heaven are lifted up, we get lifted up. And so instead of moving this way, okay, here's the five all ministries leading the way and we all follow them and build their vision. In this new kingdom age, we become functioning as married to the Lord and then knitted to each other in that marriage. And now the Lord is able to speak to us collectively together and lift us up collectively together as a wheel within a wheel, as Joel's end time army that doesn't break ranks, doesn't throw thrust one another. A fire goes before them, a wilderness behind them. It's like a garden of Eden. If you read the description of Joel's army, you see this powerful, full authority given, kingdom filled, power, authority, and dominion with the Lord of hosts leading it and uttering his voice. That's what we're becoming. That's what this broadcast is about. That's what God is making us. I've been sharing on this broadcast on how God makes us. What does he need to do within us to bring us into that fullness so that we can recognize, so we can begin to cooperate and see ourselves as full-grown sons and daughters. The only reason why we're not functioning yet is because we can't see it. 
because there's been a veil over our eyes because we have stayed in the holy place mystery. As long as you live in the holy place on the outer courts and you don't enter behind the veil, you'll never see what I'm talking about. You can't see it. You can't possess it because the existence of what we are is behind the veil. And it's our lives living in the glory realm and the glory realm living in us. Because when that glory realm is lived within us and that glory realm is filling us, then we function as full grown sons of God. But if you don't believe that you're to be filled with that glory, if you don't believe Isaiah 60 is for today, that this is the moment where we're rising and shining for our light, the King of glory has come, right? And that glory is now going to be seen in us and risen upon us. If you don't believe that, you can never walk as a full-grown son and daughter because it's the glory of God that's filling his temple. It's the glory of God that's positioning us. It's the glory of God that's causing us to function. It's the glory of God that's causing our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our mouths to speak. It's the glory of God that's changing our heart. It's the glory of God that's finishing us. It's the glory of God that's completing us so that we are a glory-filled people, a glorious church, right? Without spot, without blemish, and without wrinkle. There's a reason that the glory is a function of God's kingdom. It's the functioning of God's finishing work. It's the glory of God that starts the work, but it's the glory of God that's going to finish the work. And what does he say? The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former house. So the finishing work in comparison to the starting work will be greater. Why? Because we're going to be completed and changed and walk as, as full-grown sons and daughters of God. That's why this broadcast is so important. And I hope you're I hope you're seeing that. I hope you're hearing that in these broadcasts, that we're in a new position. We're in a new function. We're to function a new way. And I'm sharing with you how the FIFO ministry is how to function differently so that when we see the, the harvest that's coming in, we don't see them. Great. We're going to go take our city for God. This is what we're going to do. They're not being sent. To, to, to the churches as we've known them to be. And if they stay in that structure, the end time harvest is not coming there. God is not gonna send them there. Why? Because the, the, the very saints that are gonna be risen up as sons almost instantaneously cannot function in a system where there's no room for them. There's no place for them. So he's going to raise up new shepherds and new leaders and that, you know, or, or, you know, that will be after his own heart or change the hearts of the present leaders so that they can begin to see their FIFO ministry from up here in the glory realm, which is completely different than it, how it functioned in the church age realm. It's completely different, completely different. It doesn't function the same. How do I know? Because I can see it with my own eyes. I can see what God took down and I in this journey and others, you know? It's not about us coming to bring people a message. It's about becoming a message. So that the message and the messenger are one. That's what sons of God are. They're not just bringing a message. Anybody can bring a message, but not everybody can be a message. Many are called, but few will pay the price to be chosen. Many are called, few will pay the price. And for us to be able to pay that price, we have to see our spiritual condition. We have to recognize Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is the exposing of the Lord, of looking through the church at the end of the age and through the ages and showing us this is what I see in you, this mixture. That's the whole thing about Revelation chapter 2 and 3. It's the mixture of the Babylonian church system mixed in with the true church of God, which is found in the holy place. It's not supposed to be there, but it is there. But it will not enter the third day. And it cannot enter in behind that veil. And it cannot enter into the Holy of Holies. And so it has to be removed. And that's exactly what the Lord is doing. He's removing those filthy garments. He's doing a miracle, a miracle intervention in your life. And those that are seeking diligently the Lord. He says, I love them that love me. And those that seek me early and diligently, they shall find me. That's Proverbs 8, 17. 
And verse 21 says, and, and those that I love, I cause them. See, God does. I cause them to inherit true riches and I fill their treasuries. So there's a, there's a blessing that's received, a changed life. You get the true riches of God, you know? And God said, I, I, he shall provide all our needs according to what? His riches and glory. Where? His riches and glory. See how your needs get provided for? I'm not just talking about physical needs. I'm talking about your true needs come from that glory realm. That's why this is a glory roadmap series that the God has been giving me since uh, uh, March, 2020. That's why I'm sharing it with you today. Glory of God. Now back to Paul, he says, I planted first, I'm in first Corinthians uh, chapter three, verse says, I planted and warded, but God, oh, I planted Apollos warded, but God was making it grow and he gave the increase. Notice where he brings us to, back to the Lord. You try them that say that they're apostles and they're not. And what's the distinguishing mark? How can you tell where God is? Where are the leaders bringing you? Are they bringing you to themselves? Are they bringing you to their ministry work? Or are they bringing you to God himself? If you want to distinguish the difference between the church age and the kingdom age, and who's functioning still in the church age and who's functioning in the kingdom age, both of those prophetic days are happening at the same time. One is ended and one is being birthed, just like Saul's leadership had to come to an end and David's got established. They both existed at the same time, but eventually Saul's ended and David's began. That's where we are now. We're in that transition period where Saul's, you know, that the, the skirt's been ripped, you know, the, the kingdom's been ripped from him and it's been given to another. It's happening. It's right now. We're at a critical point in time. And so you have to decide where you want to be. Where are you going to stand in the church age, which is dissolved? Or are you going to stand now into the kingdom age and with a kingdom wineskin to drink kingdom wine, to be prepared position for what's coming on the earth so you can be propelled with the glory of the Lord. That is your choice. That's why I'm doing this broadcast because Jesus is standing in Revelation chapter 320 at the end. He's not speaking to the churches anymore. He's speaking. I stand at the door and I knock. And notice what he says. If any man, see, that's a personal call. If any man, if any man will hear my voice and open the door, Give the knock and let me in. I will come in. It's personal. That's why I'm doing this. It's personal. It has nothing to do with your pastor, your prophet, your teacher, your evangelist, or your church. This is a call to you. What will you do? And how will that affect your life? Because if you do respond to the call, it changes everything. That's what I've been sharing with you. It changes everything. And it changes everything by a true repentance. And what's the true repentance? You see where you really are. You see where your priorities are. You see where your heart is. You see that what you've been doing and what you can do, and even if you've been doing it as right as possible, cannot fit this new wine skin. You can't put what? New wine in an old wine skin, right? So we need a new wine skin, the wine skin of the kingdom age. So that's why this is so critical. And so it says here in 1 Corinthians uh, 8, he who plants and he who waters are equal. They're one in aim. And of the same importance and esteem. This is the functioning of the body. It's this oneness with the Lord and oneness with one another. And the fivefold ministries functioning like this, connected to the body of Christ like this. So there's no division. There's no separation. Each part supplies what the other needs. That's why God asked me to do these divine convergences. I didn't know it then, but I do know it. Yeah, because it's an invitation for the FIFO ministers and you and I to come together to make the Lord the agenda, to seek his heart, nothing else but seeking him, worshiping him, waiting for him 
And as we wait upon him and listen to him, he speaks to you individually, speaks to me individually. And then as he's speaking individually, we, he begins to speak to us corporately. And he uses every one of those parts to function as a living, breathing body of Christ. Hope that makes sense. So I'm showing you with my hands. I'm using my hands as an illustration of what it kind of looks like. I talk with my hands because I'm Italian, but besides that, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I'm showing just a little illustration of what it should look like. And that's how we get formed into a wheel within the wheel. And now we're connected with the living creatures so that as they're lifted up, we're lifted up. As the Lord moves, we move. And we move this way, I said, instead of this way. See, we're still moving on the earth together with the Lord, but we're moving as he moves. We're not moving in our own strength. We're not telling God what we're going to do. Hey, Jesus, come and follow me. This is Jesus. Come and follow me. I'm going here and I need you to bless what I'm doing. No, we don't do that because we don't move without him. And so verse, it says, yet each shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now listen to this carefully in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. There's so much meat God is giving us, hidden manna in his broadcast. There's so much transformational change that if pastors and Bible ministers would hear it, you would see a fundamental revolution, spiritual revolution in the house of God. If you receive it, there'll be a fundamental revolution in your home, in your life. I know because we're experiencing it. And those of you that are watching this and you know what I'm talking about, you're experiencing it. You know you are. Everything has changed. Everything. Old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. And that, and the reality of sonship, the reality of God's kingdom living in us is becoming alive each and every day. And we're beginning to see ourselves completely differently than we've seen ourselves in the church age. Because we're not seeing ourselves, we're seeing Jesus. And as we get our eyes completely focused on Jesus, we're beginning to see Christ in us, the hope of glory. Praise God. And what he's able to now do in your life. And do in your life. I'm using my Yeti today to keep it hot. This was a precious gift and I'm grateful for it. Thank you, Father. Don't you just love the Lord this morning? Don't you just love him? Aren't you just in love with him this morning? Look at the beautiful end time work of God. Before all this end time events gets fully released on this earth, look at what he wants to do in you. Look what he wants to do in his house. Look at how he wants to prepare you, position you, so that you can walk as sons of God in the full glory of God, that, uh, that Isaiah 60 would be totally your testimony, that the Lord, the glory of the Lord is seen risen upon you. And, you're, and the light of Jesus is so coming forth from you, like on the Mount of Transfiguration type of glory, that nations will come to your rising and kings to your brightness. Isn't that amazing? Talk about an end time harvest by the arising glory, by the glory of the Lord being seen. We are in the glory. The kingdom of God comes with glory. The church age came with his presence. And once in a while we saw, experienced some glory. But in the kingdom age, it's about the glory of the Lord, which is not just the presence, it's the manifested presence of God. It's the manifest presence of God. It's when the Lord has revealed himself to you personally to your five senses and revealed himself as the person. And in the, in the glory realm, you're in love with the person. You're in love with Jesus, and, you know, and you see him continually and you want him continually and you fall in love with him completely and you're receiving his love completely and you can't move or breathe without him. You're lovesick for him. That's the kingdom age. And that's the position that positions us to be able to receive and be filled with God's glory. And what does that mean to be filled with God's glory? It means to be covered by God's glory. 
Not only are we filled, when we're filled with the glory, it becomes our covering, the Shekinah that they lost in the garden is restored to us. And when that Shekinah glory is restored to be seen upon us, we're able to rule and take dominion and subdue the earth. And that includes in the air. When Adam and Eve had dominion and uh, over the earth, it was including the air. And I said that many times. When Jesus came as a second Adam, he had to come as a second Adam. Remember, he was able to speak to the winds and the storms and stop them, cause fish to come into nets, gold coins and fish's mouth to come at the right time. He raised the dead, men's group. He suspended the laws of nature because the air, he, he was pretty, the prince and power of this air of this world had no place. Jesus had the authority as a second Adam and walked it as a second Adam over all the power of the enemy, over all the power. The enemy couldn't touch him. Never couldn't touch him. Yeah. And that's why I said, I give you power. Paul says, I give you power, you know, to tread upon the scorpions and the serpents and nothing in any means shall harm you. Why? Because you're walking in a place of dominion authority, kingdom authority, governmental authority, not because of your greatness, but because of the greatness of the glory of God that you're filled with. And that glory of God, the knowledge and the glory of the Lord are going to fill your whole earth. It's glory that's going to transform the kingdoms of this world into the kingdoms of our God. Glory includes releasing end time judgments, words of consequences. Glory has the power to change everything. Everything glory touches is changed. It's either removed or it's refined. One or the other. It's either removed or refined. So what Paul is going to teach us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is about building correctly. And that's what this broadcast is. This age and this hour, we got to build correctly with the Lord. We need to know the time and the season of the Lord. With that tribe of Issachar anointing, which I started this beginning series with about that anointing, understand the moment we live in, understanding the time we're living prophetically so that we can cooperate correctly with the Lord. That's why I'm doing this broadcast. And I hope you'll share them with others. Would you put them on your Facebook? Not for my sake, but there are many that need to hear this message. You know, right now there's only a few on, but if you share it with others, talk about it, then others that may be hungry and thirsting for the Lord are saying, what is God doing right now? I don't feel comfortable. I'm doing this, but there's an unease in me. These are the answers. These series become an answer to those questions that so many have. I hope it's answering your questions because God's answering mine. <laughs> I don't know about you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Okay. Look what he says, he who plants and he who waters are equal. What does that mean? One in aim of the same importance of esteem, yet he shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. This is what I love to hear. I love to hear it because it positions the Bible ministry correctly. I know there's much gathering right now of the roles of, much teaching about the roles of apostles, but we're still seeing apostles as spiritual fathers but, but it's coming from the church age understanding where everyone else is still a child. And so we have to take a role over them because everybody's a child. And only a few can come near us that we consider unmature. See, that's a false thinking. It's a mixed thinking. And it has to be removed. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I believe, removes that from them. Because they were lifting up Paul. They were lifting up Paulus. And they were fighting between them because they were looking at the great, great men that were over them. Instead of seeing how God sees them, that's what this is about. It's about seeing correctly. That's why when I go back now, if, if, if the men and women of God can't see themselves correctly, then they can't build correctly. If they don't understand their function from the kingdom age, they can't build 
with God, the kingdom age and, you know, and the kingdom work because they can't see it correctly. They're not functioning it correctly. So what they're going to build is not going to last. And that's what this is all about. For it says, for he, it says, for we are fellow workmen. We are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers together with and for God, with and for God. We are joint laborers. Our aim is the same. And what is that? What do they say? Let's go reach the lost at all cost. Is that what they say? Not here. I'm not saying, but I'm not ignoring the fact that people need to be saved. I want you to understand the functioning of the body, the functioning of the wheel within the wheel, the functioning of that you're going to have for the five ministers. And again, if you to go back on our Facebook page or YouTube channel and listen to the testimonies of that, we have them. We have, we, we, there are many of them on there. The people that have come see this work of the FIPO ministry and their functioning, and it's beautiful. They have a part. They're not buried. The FIPO ministry actually helps them and encourages them, and we all flow together as one. Don't you want to at least experience it one time? Then come May 2nd to the 7th to Schenectady. You want to experience it? You want to see how it operates? Come, and you'll see it. You'll experience it, and it's beautiful, and it's life-changing, and it's life-connecting. Because we find where we belong and how to function together. That's what's beautiful about it. So it says this, we are laborers together with and for God, and you are God's garden and vineyard and field under cultivation. You are God's building. How come we don't hear that? When's the last time the pastor preached that? What's the last time an evangelist, teacher, apostle preached this word right here and said, you are God's building, that you knew that their life was given to help you become everything God created you, created you to be versus you're here so that we can impact the community. You're here to fulfill my vision. That's the church age message. The kingdom message is the Bible ministry function differently. And this is their message. Please get this in your spirit so that you can tell the difference of what day people are coming from. So you can see this is church age. This is kingdom age. This is where God is bringing me, you know. And so if you're going to be gathered with people together and you have this revelation, wouldn't you want to be part of those that understand this, that can help you and equip you as, as your servants, as your ministers underneath you? Isn't that what you need? It's what I need. I need those fivefold ministers that are more seasoned than me to get underneath me and lift me to become everything God created me to be. And I'm fortunate to have some spiritual fathers like that, that see that. But look at the focus here. You know, it says, for we are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers with and for God, and you are God's garden. You are God's garden. You are God's garden and vineyard. And you are the field that's under uh field under cultivation. You are God's building. And that's what the Lord says. And you, you know, Jesus being the cornerstone in Peter, right? And says, and you becoming living stones, you being living stones are being built up into a spiritual house that can show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his glory it's light. You, his people are being formed into a kingdom of kings and priests unto our God. You are being formed into the temple of the living God to be filled with the glory of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now look what it says. For according, you are God's building. When I see your names on there today, 
And those of you that I got to meet through Facebook and to those of you that this is gonna reach, that's what I see. I see the great value, the beautifulness in what God made you. And I know, and I've known this from the beginning, I don't know how I knew it, but that my life is not to bring you to me or to bring you to our ministry. You know, I don't even have a ministry. I have one only by name because I have to, but I hope I've become a ministry. But from that minute, I knew that my life was to be spent for you, to help you to become what God created you to be. And that's what I see when I, by God, that this is what the Lord has me to see. He makes me see you, shows me, you know, to, how to pray for you, how to, you know, and, and, and how to pray for you, what is hardest towards you. And that's where Psalm 50, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 50 became real with me. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I may know how. The Lord God has been giving me, a, you know, uh, the, Lord, the Lord God has given me a word in season. The tongue of the learned. As one who's been taught by the Lord to bring a word in season to them that are weary. That I might know how to speak a word in season. So many times when God has me to minister, when God is using me to minister his word, every, most everyone says it's spot on. I can't believe you just said that. That's exactly what God's told me because God is using me to help cause them to see, hear, confirm, and it helps them and they grow and it gets underneath them so that they can grow up in the Lord and become what God made them to be. And my vision is to see what God made them to be and help them as a servant of the Lord to get underneath them, not in my strength, but to hear from God, to be continually before the Lord, to listen on their behalf, to lay them before the Lord that I can hear what God would have to say for them individually, not just corporately, but individually, so that they can be built up into God's house. We're just instruments. We're nothing. You know, neither, neither I or Paulus are anything, but it's God that gives the increase. Thank you, Lord. So, so he says here, you are God's building. According to the grace or the special endowment for my task of God bestowed on me, listen how he describes himself, like a skillful architect and master builder. Like a skillful architect and master builder. What does that mean? He has a vision of God's house. He has a vision of its function. He has a vision of what the Lord desires of what his house is to be. And God gave him the blueprints. Architects get the blueprints. They make the blueprints. He's got the blueprints. That's what the kingdom age is all about, getting the blueprints for your life and your family so that you can become the skillful architect, like it says here, you know, the skillful architect and master builder. Thank you. Hang on one second. I got to put my fan on. I'm burning up. It's really hot in here. Thank you. Sorry to do that, but I'm going to do that. <laughs> Thank you. Whew. It is really burning in here. Sorry about that, guys. But I, it's like I'm, I'm so hot right now because I'm burning with the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. As a master architect, as a builder, you as a husband and wife have been entrusted with your family. And you realize that our place as a mother, as a place as a father, as a place as a husband, as a place as a wife is to walk in our priestly ministry. What's a priestly ministry? We seek the face of God, we listen, and we get the blueprints and the strategies for our life, for your wife, for your husband, for your children. You get blueprints and strategies. Once you understand what God's desire is for your life, for your wife's life, for your family's life, 
Then as a skillful architect, right? It's a, a skillful architect and a master builder, you can now function and teach them and train them in the ways that they should go because the Lord is with you and God will guide them by their own eyes. You can teach them the ways of the Lord. When you can understand their calling, when you know why God gave you that son, why God gave you that daughter, why God gave you that wife, you'll begin to see he gave them to you, not for your needs, but his needs. That's a big deal. You'll begin to see your wife as God's daughter. And what is his plan for his daughter? And now as a husband, those plans and strategies that he made her for, he must give you as a husband. Why? So that you can cooperate with him and helping her become everything that God created her to be. So as a husband, even though you're ahead, you come underneath. See, that's what's missing in the church. We don't come underneath. We go over, but we don't go underneath. And so if I can see Donna the way God made her, then God will give me the instructions and blueprints of what to deposit in her, how to pray for her, what to say to her, what she needs. I'm going to see her true needs before the Lord. And you see, the fivefold ministry in the church age does not see the needs of the body because they can only see the needs of the lost. They can only see the needs from, a, from their religious idea of what God wants. So the people that, yeah, many are coming in, but the people that are, are in the church are bruised. And they're hurt and they're broken and nobody is binding them up. That's where I left off yesterday. Nobody's binding up their bruises. Why? Because the priority's wrong. And they're bringing sacrifices and they're building. They're doing all these things. And the Lord says, I'm not in it because you're missing what I want. You're missing what's right in front of you. I didn't say to neglect the people. I want you to get underneath them and help them to grow up into what God caused them to be. Not from a leadership, from a worldly view or a Babylonian church system view. With what the, he wants them to raise up as sons and daughters of maturity that they know God from themselves, that they know how to take their place as a priest and a king in their home or a priestess, right? <coughs> and, and, and queen with the Lord. They, the, men and women need to be able to function in their homes and their families as victors, not victims, overcomers. We tell them this, but, the, but we're giving them a false overcoming or a man-made understanding of what overcoming life is. It's almost painting another Jesus than the real one. According to the grace that God has given me, like a skillful architect and a master builder, I laid the foundation. What foundation? Jesus. I laid the foundation of a relationship with Jesus, how to grow up in Jesus, how to become mature. How to, how to get to the place of solid food. Notice I didn't bring you to me, he said. I'm not bringing you to Paul, the, the Apostle Paul ministry or Apostle Paul church of 10,000 and we're doing all of these things. He said, I've laid the foundation of a real life in Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I've laid the foundation of what life is as being a, a spiritual man and a spiritual woman of God. I've given you the keys. I've given you the tool. As a master builder and an architect, I've got the blueprints and design from God, and I've laid it before you and showed you how to walk in it and demonstrated how to walk in it. That's what Bible ministry is all about. It should be like this with Jesus, the corner and finishing stone. It should be like this. And the church stands on that because why? You are God's garden, God's garden. You are his field under cultivation. And so notice he sees that. Notice he understands that. That's what God wants to make you as spiritual mothers and fathers so that you can 
be this to the others because many of this end time harvest, God is going to bypass the churches if they don't change and they stay in the second age. And he's going to bring them to you. He may fill your home with those that need to be truly discipled in the kingdom age. He might. He might do like convergences plus for all I know. How critical is what Paul says that they're not heads of party? How critical is it to build right? How critical is it to see yourself correctly in what you're doing with the Lord, that God is looking at the intent of your heart, what you're building, how you're building? How important is it, God, that we build right? How important is Revelation chapter two and three to show us where we have not built right, where we need to change and repent, overcome? But how important is for God to take the blinders off of our eyes that can see that everything is not okay, even though we say we're rich in need of nothing? How important is it? It's critical for you to be able to become a full-grown son and daughter of God. It is critical for us to get that, that those blinders off of our eyes so that we can see who we are today in the Lord and begin to function that way by allowing the Lord to cause us to repent, change, and overcome. And the more we fall in love with Jesus and the more we're being ravished by the love of Jesus, the more those things are burnt out of us and the more of God's glory that remains in us and stays in us and seen upon us as we're in love with the Lord. It's that simple. The church has made it complex, but the Lord's made it quite simple. Thank you, Lord. This is a good operating word today. This is a really powerful word of the Lord this morning, a word in season to help us see correctly, cooperate correctly, and to see even our own families. There are blueprints for my plan, families that I need. Wife, are you seeing your husband the way God made him? What is God's plan for his life? How does God want you to pray for him? What are his true needs? Would you give yourself as a living sacrifice for your husband as you did to the Lord? Wives, love your husbands and submit to them as, Christ, as the church submits to Christ. How do we live for Christ? We want to please him in every way. Wives, do you want to please your husbands in every way? Wives, do you, are you still demanding your rights when we give up our rights to serve the Lord? Of course, the husband needs to be in their place correctly where, you know, he's going to love his wife and cherish her and nourish her and take care of her and, and, and get underneath her and help her become everything he created her to be. That's, that's how we become one. But wives, you have a part to play too. And as parents, what about your children? What is God's will for your children? What is his part? What if they're not in that will? What if they're adults? They're married. They have children. And let's say they're not living for the Lord. Or, or you know, living with the Lord, or maybe they they're still under that church Babylonian system. What do you do? What will God show you? What will God put in you? What will God reveal in you and through you that will open up their eyes so that they can see the light and the glory of the kingdom of God? Those are things we come before the Lord with and for to receive from the Lord. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Again, no other foundation. Jesus, the cornerstone. Jesus, the finishing stone, is that foundation. Knowing him as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That revelation of him as the beginning as the end, which is what revelation is all about, the revealing of the Alpha and the Omega, you know, the beginning and the end, the lion and the lamb. The revelation of meeting Jesus like that, seeing Jesus like that as a king of glory, is the foundation on which everything is going to be built for eternity and at least the next thousand years. So how we build, why we build, 
and what we build personally in our own life, in our marriage, in our family, in our gatherings is critical to God. Critical. And 2020 was a year God shut everything down to bring inspection to your house, to your life, to your family's life, to your wife's life, and give a spiritual inventory. And, and 2020, Revelation chapter 1 and 3, came into full bloom with a message. Repent, change, and overcome. Prepare, position, and propel. That's where we are prophetically. And now, have we cooperated with that word? That's the question. And now look what it says. But no other foundation can be laid than that which is Christ Jesus. But if anyone, that includes you personally, me personally, the husband and wife family, if anyone builds upon that foundation, whether it be gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, listen carefully, because this is where we are prophetically. The work of each one will be shown plainly, openly known for what it is. I'm going to say that again. In the work you are doing right now, your life, your church, your ministry will be shown openly for what it is. For the day of Christ will disclose and declare it. That's where we are. The day of Christ, we are in that day, will declare and disclose it. So how do I know that? Because Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, Jesus is declaring and disclosing what we built. He's showing us what's in the house, the doctrine of Nicolaitans. He's showing us Jezebel's in the house. He's showing us that we deserted our first love. He's showing us that, you know, um, that, that we have a reputation of being alive but are dead. He's showing us you know, uh, that, that one part of a remnant like Philadelphia is, is going to be kept safe in the hour that's going to come upon the earth. He's showing us that we're lukewarm, we're being ready to be spewed out of the mouth. He's showing us that at the end of the age, you're going to say you're rich in need of nothing. See, that's what he's showing us. And he's showing us now so that when we stand before the Lord, we don't bring wood, hay, and stubble. He wants to remove that, the mixture. The mixture is wood, hay, and stubble. Notice it's mixed with, with uh, you know, with a silver and precious stones and gold. And the mixture is wood, hay, and stubble. So the day of the Lord is to remove the day of the, the wood, hay, and stubble. Why? So that we can enter behind the veil into the glory realm. You can bring both of those into the holy place and you can't tell the difference, but the day of the Lord is going to disclose it. Why? Listen to what it says. For the work of each one will be known openly for what it is. For the day of the Lord will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. Hmm. Oh my God, that's why I'm burning. It will be revealed by fire. How is Jesus standing in Revelation chapter one? Does he look like water? Does he look like wind? Or do you see his face glowing like the noonday sun, like fire, that out of his mouth is a double-edged sword of fire. His hair is glistening like the white, white as snow. He's got seven stars in his right hand. He's got a gold sash and white robes, and his feet are burning like an oven. Does that sound like water to you, or does it sound like fire? Does it sound like fire? That's why when people come up to convergences, it is not a soaking service. We've gone past that. We've already done the Elijah thing. We covered the offering with water. And now God is sending the fire to lick up every one of the drops and prove that he is the Lord. And see what it says here? Because, because it, will, for it will disclose and declare because it will be re revealed by fire. And the fire, okay, remember, when the, the Lord whom you seek when he suddenly comes to the temple, he's going to come like what? A refiner's fire, fuller soap. Isaiah chapter one. He's going to beautify the church and remove the vainglory and the pride of it by the spirit of burning and the spirit of judgment. Fire. This is a day of fire. 
just happens to be what our name is, flame of fire for a reason, not to have a name because God said, I'm going to make my ministers what a flame of fire. And in that flame of fire, we're going to be kingdom awakening messengers so that they can see that we are not in the church age anymore. We're not in the church structure anymore. We're in the day of fire. The day of fire is here and the kingdom age is unfolding before us. And the time of preparation is here to make us ministers of fire which is the glory of God to be seen risen upon us. Don't you want to be ministers of fire <laughs> instead of lukewarm, sick, and anemic? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now look what it says. For in the fire will test and critically appraise the character and worth of the work each person it does. It just doesn't say five more ministers either, beloved. It says your work. Your life, God is testing it. That's why 2020 was so important. Time out, reset. Are you burning in love with Jesus? Did you lose that passion for the Lord? Is there still mixture that needs to remain? Are there things that God needs to change in your life to position you, to prepare you for this end time? That's what it was about. And it's still about that. We still have just a few more moments of time left to be able to get this right before the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Look what it says, verse 14. If the work which any person has built on this foundation, any product of his efforts whatsoever survives this test, he will get rewarded. Any product of what you do, if it passes the test, will be rewarded. Now, what will pass the test? Only what Jesus told you to do with the right heart. Only what Jesus told you to speak with the right heart. Only where Jesus told you to go with the right heart, that was totally him, that you didn't take the glory, you didn't, you didn't boast in your success. It was just Jesus being glorified in you. That's what's going to pass the test of fire because it's his work, not yours. It's his power, not yours. It's his authority, not yours. And whatever that produces, that's what's going to stand the test. And that's what you get rewarded from. But look at verse 15. But if any person's work is burnt up under the test, he will suffer the loss of it all, losing his, re losing his reward. What's that reward? It's to rule and reign. What's the reward of the overcomer? To sit, to be seated in heavenly places with him. To sit down on his throne next to Jesus as he sat down next to the Father. It, the, the reward is nearness. The reward is access. The reward is being near the Lord as being formed into a kingdom of kings and priests. If the reward is a singing testimony versus a crying testimony. The singing testimony is that he's chosen us out of every tribe and nation, and he's formed us into a kingdom of kings and priests unto our God. That is the singing testimony in Revelation chapter 5, verse 6 through 10. In Revelation chapter 7, you'll see that there are others that enter in, and they have white robes, but they're crying, salvation, salvation. See, that's a different testimony. This is what he's, that's the testimony. That's what he's saying right here. You lose your reward. You'll lose everything you burn. All you're going to have is your salvation garments. Thank God you're going to enter into heaven. But the position, the placement that you could have had, you lost. And that's why he has to wipe tears from their eyes when they see what they really lost of what he really wanted to do in their life. Tears can't remain. He has to remove them. But he is going to show us what his desires were. That's what it's for us to stand before the judgment seat of the Lord. This is what he's going to show us. Our whole life is going to be seen but whether it is precious gold, silver, and, uh, and diamonds, or it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. Which one you want? Which one you want, Pastor? Which one you want, Bible Ministries? And then he says this. 
But don't you discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple. You all are. They're one people. There's five ministries, but we're nothing, Paul says. We're not anything. We are gifts. We're master builders. We're architects. We're waterers. We're planters. That's what God has us to function, but it's God that gives the increase. We're just like you, but we have a different function. We have a different ability of grace to help build you from God, but we're not better than you. We're not over you. And matter of fact, we're underneath you in the right way of authority to lift you up to become everything that God had created you to be. That doesn't make you over us. It makes us one with us. You one with us and us one with you as a living, breathing, full-grown, mature, multi-membered body of Christ to be seen on the earth. Isn't that good news? Who would have known this is all hidden there? So if God is causing you to take a look at your life right now and me to take a look at our lives, what are we doing? What are we building? Is God building or are we building? Is God, are we allowing the Lord to build the house? Because they that, you know, unless the Lord builds a house, they that labor, labor in vain. Are we building in vanity? Will we let God remove the vanity of our hands on it and take our hands off of what we're doing, our lives, our families, our wives, our husbands? When I say take our hands off, it means can we get rid of the wrong thinking of what we think they should be, what we think they should do, how they should operate, and how their lives have to fit into our lives so to make our lives easier and begin to see that we're true servants of the Lord, that our life is to be poured out for them, that we need to get the blueprints and the strategies for their lives. If you don't get it for your life, how are you going to get it for your wives or your husbands or your mother, your father, sister, and brothers? If you don't know, how are you going to pray right? How, what are you going to speak? What are you going to release over them? What are you going to pray over them when you don't have God's blueprints? When you don't have God's plan, what are you going to pray? Mostly witchcraft. You're going to pray what you think or what you want over their lives. And you're going to actually put them in bondage by praying charismatic witchcraft instead of praying the will of God, because you're not in a place of hearing God's will or getting those blueprints or seeing from up here so that Jesus can pray his prayers through you. The Holy Spirit can release in Jesus through you what he wants the Father's will on earth as it is in heaven. Because if you only see it from this church age understanding or this worldly mixture mindset, you're not going to pray correctly or pray powerfully. Or, you know, and God probably won't even listen to it. And so your prayers don't get answered. And you say, why? That's why. This is why. Because we don't see our wives as his daughter. We don't see your husband as his sons. You don't see the, as your children the way that he sees them. Fully. You see them for your need. But have you seen them for God's need? Our life right now, we must see each other for God's needs so that we can pour on each other, so that we can help each other fulfill God's needs. And in that, God meets our needs and the family becomes united and tighter in the love of the Lord in ways we could never imagine. That's what happens at the convergence. It's unbelievable. Don't you want to come and experience it? At least come once. Now, I want to finish up back with Isaiah. And, and tomorrow, on our last day, I'm going to finish up in Zechariah and in Joel chapter 2, the forming of that arising sons and deliverers. What I want us to see is that he said the day of Christ is going to reveal by fire what you're doing. It's going to show forth what it is. Paul is telling them at Corinth, you are not building right. You are seeing me. And Apollos as positions over here and you're worshiping us as, as, as heads of party. We are not heads of party. We are not heads of a movement. 
we are fellow servants, co-laborers together, intermingled for one purpose, you are God's garden under cultivation. Our job is, our foundation is to help build you to be, with the Lord and the Lord with us to follow his instruction to help you become full grown sons and daughters of God. That's what our calling is. We're nothing. And if anything happens to us, it's because of God who gives the increase. So there's no glory of men here at all. Do you see? There's no glory of men, but all the glory of God. When it's for the glory of God, you're going to bring the right sacrifice. You're going to bring sacrifices of righteousness. The, in Malachi chapter three, it goes on to say, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. And who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For when he, when he comes, he's going to appear as a refiner's fire refiner's fire and full of salt. And what will he do? He will thoroughly purge the sons of Levi, the priests, like gold and silver that they may bring to the Lord offerings of righteousness of what he wants. About what we bring and about what we do is critical to the advancement of the kingdom of God. The, the removing of the mixture that enters behind the veil is a removing of us trying to bring Cain's offering and sometimes Abel's offering or mixture of the war. Cain brought the first offering. I messed up yesterday. Cain brought the first offering to the Lord. And what did he bring? Both of them knew the requirements. But Cain brought his offering. He decided not to give God what he wanted. And he brought something else. And what deceived him? While he was till, tilling that ground, while he was doing the crops, they were beautiful and they were fruitful. And he saw the sweat of his hands. And he saw, wow, look at God put me in charge of this garden. And look at it, it's flourished. So you know what I'm going to bring God? He put me in charge of this. I'm going to bring him the food of what he put me in charge of, my ministry, my work. I'm going to bring him my fruit and say, Lord, I did all of this for you. Isn't this beautiful? This is the best of my crops. This is the best, all my efforts that I invested in my church and ministry. Why, why would a church of 10,000 ever hear this message and change for 5,000, 2,000, 150? Because what we built, has, what we are doing for the Lord has now con been connected to who we are. It's become success. It's false ministry idolatry. We're connected with our work, so we can't let it go. Our value in life, our value as a person, gets connected with what we do for the Lord. And that's why Cain brought that offering to the Lord. He brought what was connected to his work, and God rejected his offering. God did not reject him. He said, Cain, why are you so why are you so angry? If you if 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 you bring what I ask, won't you be accepted? But he couldn't. Because he saw what Abel brought. And Abel brought the lamb. He knew he was supposed to bring a lamb. But again, human reasoning. I sweated over this work that I did. I sweated over my family. I sweat. I sweated hard. I, I worked so hard. And you're telling me this, my brother, who's not working so hard, just tending sheep, he's being received and I'm not? It's not fair. So he got angry and he killed his brother. And that's what a spirit of religion will always do. It will kill the genuine. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that Abel's blood is still speaking. Why is Abel's blood still speaking? Because it speaks of the right offering to God, giving God what he wants, meeting God's needs. Cain met 
his own needs. He brought what he wanted for his own need. Abel brought what God needed. <laughs> Abel, uh, Cain brought what man needed. And that's the mixture that's in the church. And when that mixture is at the root of the foundation, then our hearts turn away from the Lord. And we begin to pursue that which is pleasing to men instead of pleasing to God. And we put men's needs above God's needs. And that's the spirit of Antichrist. How do I know the spirit of Antichrist? One minute, Peter's saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Simon Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven has revealed this to you. So we got revelation directly from the father. But then when Jesus talked about the price of suffering and the cost, he said, no, Jesus, God forbid this ever happened to you. And Jesus looks him right in the face and doesn't even speak to Peter. He says, stand behind me, Satan. Can you imagine what Peter said? Stand behind me, Satan. But you are concerned with the things of men and not the things of God. That's Cain's offering. So now in Isaiah 1, I said this yesterday, do you think just because you gather on Sunday, do you think just because of the fact that you bring a message on Sunday, that you do the songs on Sunday, that everything is okay before God, that God is receiving that offering of what you're doing? When God asks you to do something else, but you reject it, you hear this message, but you reject it. You hear what God wants and you reject it because your whole life is in what you built and you can't change. You can't change your family. You won't change your job if you're, uh, you, you wouldn't move where God would tell you to move. Because this is what I do. This is where I am. This is where I feel comfortable. And God's going to say, it's okay. Remember, the day of fire is, to, is going to disclose what you're doing. What's it look like? Let's go back to Isaiah 1, and I'm going to finish here. Verse 11. To what other purpose, what, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, unless they're the offering of the heart? And what is the heart? A man, deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? So search me, oh God, try me, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me. It's a right prayer to pray in this hour so that God can look at our motives. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why, what is our motivation? Is it out of the pure, holy love of the Lord or is it out of our love and their love or is it a mixture or neither? That's what we need to see. Because if we continue to bring mixed mixture when, or bring a mixed offering, God says, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth because you're lukewarm. You're not hot or cold. That's not a good thing. He's speaking that to his people, to his church. Now listen to what he says here. He says, what, are the multi what is the purpose of the multitude of your sacrifices to me? You're going through all the ritual acts of worship. You're doing all the right things, but your heart's not right. All the Revelation chapter two and three is about a heart issue. Your heart's not right. He says, says the Lord, I had him enough of burnt offering of rams and the fat of fed beast without obedience. What's the purpose of your sacrifice if you're not obeying me? If you're not giving me what I want, doing what I want, why are you doing it? What purpose is in it? And then he's gonna say how he sees it. This is, and listen, this, this, this is powerful. He says, and I do not delight in the blood of bulls of the lambs of he goats without righteousness. So your sacrifices, when they're not offering of the heart, and when they're not what I want out of obedience, and when and when they're not out of my righteousness or my power, when you then when you come to appear before me, who requires you that your unholy feet trample? My courts, when you come in with that heart attitude into that glory realm of God, how can you come in when you, you know, with, with that blood, you know, uh, with, with your feet like that, that you, you trample his courts with unholy feet? 
you trample my courts. What does that mean? You're walking in a position that you don't have. You're coming into my presence and my glory when you're not prepared, positioned, and fitted to come into that presence. It's like the man that came into the wedding ceremony and he had the wrong clothes on. And immediately the attendants came up to him and said, sir, why are you here? Well, I thought I could come in. He says, you're not, you can't come in here. And they put him out where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth because he wasn't clothed properly. Listen to this. Bring no more offering of vanity, emptiness, falsity, vainglory, and futility. Bring no more offerings of what you want to bring to me, what you think I want that pleases me. Don't bring me what you think I want. Don't do what you think I want. Don't assume I'm telling you to do this. Don't take the Logos word and try to work it in your own flesh. Don't try to take what I gave you to do and then sleep with Hagar to produce your own children. Don't do that. Don't bring that in my sight. That's what he's saying here. And the Lord is serious about it because no flesh shall glory in his sight and his kingdom and if those that are ruling and reign with them will not have that within them. They cannot have that with them. And it can't even enter into the kingdom reality that way. Bring no more hollow offerings of incense. That's prayer. Don't bring hollow prayers to me when you're praying your own will, when you want to build your own kingdom, when you want to have mixture of the best of this world and the best of God. You want the American dream life. He says, don't pray to me without changing first. He says, he says your hollow offerings of incense is an abomination to me. He asked for it. These are things he asked us to do. God, you asked me to do this and I'm doing it, but I never asked you to do it in your own power, your own strength and your own ability. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So don't bring your nothing before me and call it something. It's an abomination to me. Your new moons, your Sabbath, the calling of your assemblies, listen to the word of God, your new moons, your assemblies, your conferences, your services, I cannot endure them. It is iniquity and profane, even the solemn meeting. So don't tell me that God is just winking and not seeing what's really going on. When you are building your own kingdom at your home, your own life, in the church, the ministry, when all your motives are wrong and they got changed, and maybe under a Babylonian church system where now you, the needs of men are more important than the needs of God, don't think God is going to accept that because he's not. When you allow foreigners to come into God's house and tend his things, when you bring in all the things of the world to reach people and you make your church culturally relevant. We're not to be culturally relevant. We're to be kingdom relevant, not culturally relevant. We're not to bring the things of the world and say it's okay because it's not. He says your new moons, festivals, and your hypocritical appointed feast, my soul hates. Does that sound like everything's okay to you? He's looking at the priesthood. He's looking at the leaders here. And he's saying, I want to show you your condition. That's what Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is. I want to show you your spiritual condition. And I want you to repent, change, and overcome. Not beat you over the head. I want you to see this is wrong. This is not what I want. And you need to fix it with a message of hope and love and grace. Look what it says. And when you spread forth your hands in prayer, imploring help, look, it says, I will hide my eyes for you. There's so many unanswers that you're not receiving when you continue to build wrong and you refuse to change when God is showing you. 
and you consider a new wineskin just painting over the old one so you can build yourself a name, a ministry, or build yourself a Babylonian empire. You may never see it that way, but God sees it that way. You may be assured what you're building is from God when it may not be. Don't you want to find out? Are you so sure? Do you want to enter into heaven just escaping the fire? Are you building your family the way God wants it to be built? And when you spread forth your hands in prayer, imploring, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. The heavens like brass because of sin. That's why we're going into areas and regions where the sin in the church is so strong that the sin is like brass, that there's no breakthrough. We're praying for breakthrough, but we won't repent. We won't change. We won't overcome. We won't recognize what time it is, how everything's changed. We went back to doing what we were used to be doing. And the thing is, we couldn't wait to get back to doing what we were doing. That's the whole problem. And when you spread forth your hands in prayers, employing my help, do you think you can love your family more than God and God is just going to wink at it? When your priority is to meet the needs of your family above the needs of God, you think he's just going to turn his back and pretend everything's okay? You tolerate Jezebel. You think that there aren't consequences for that? Or having a reputation of being alive and dead? He said, if you love your mother, father, sister, brother, child more than me, you can't even be my disciple. If you love your life, you're going to lose it. And if you lose your life, you're going to gain it. If any man be my disciple, let him deny himself. Pick up his cross and follow me. I can say it, but am I living it? Can I look my family in the face and say, no, I can't do that today. I have to do God's will. And they get mad and angry and begin to scream and shout at you that you're the worst thing since sliced bread and all the pressure comes on you. And But you know God asked you to do this, but just succumb to it. Because you don't, because you fear of what they're going to think of you more than what God thinks of you. It's just one illustration. And believe me, as, as mothers and fathers, you are tested in that a lot. As husbands and wife, who do you love first? There are testings that come. It's not easy. There's nothing more than you love than your family. I mean, they're the nearest and dearest to you. And Jesus said, but if you love them more than me, you cannot be my disciple. So your allegiance has to be only to the Lord. And when your allegiance is all to the Lord, you will be everything your family needs. That's the beautiful part. By that obedience, you will become everything that your family needs. They will lose nothing. Even if they can't see it today, they'll see it tomorrow. You just have to be willing to suffer through it if necessary. And so when you spread forth your hands in prayer, I will even hide my face for you, even though you make many prayers. I will not hear. Why? Your hands are full of blood. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Now, doesn't it make sense? Isn't that the hour? He that has clean hands. Your hands are full of blood. Why? When you bring to the Lord King's offering. When you bring to the Lord the best of your ability. When you bring to the Lord that which you, what you want to do for God instead of what God wants to do in you. And when we disobey him, it's our disobedience that puts blood on our hands. But thankfully, it doesn't end here. He says, wash yourselves and make yourselves clean and put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. What were they doing that was evil? Bringing offerings of vanity to God. Bringing what they thought God wanted. Refusing to change. Refusing to see the spiritual condition. And the most important part is this. It says, 
Verse six, for the soles of your foot and in your head, there is no soundness or health in this nation's body and the church's body in this case. Because wounds and bruises and fresh and bleeding stripes, they have not been pressed out, closed up, bound up or softened with oil. No one has trouble to seek the remedy. What does that mean? You're busy advancing what you think, but the people that I led to you are bleeding, hurting and buried and you don't even know it. They're not functioning. They're not able to function. They're not able to grow because of this church structure system that's burying them because you're on top of them as a living stone and you're crushing them. And so you can't see their true spiritual condition. And so many of them are leaving your church. They're leaving your ministry to find to, to survive that crushing that doesn't belong to them, to find a place where they can breathe and where they can live. They are not rebellious. They're survivors. Under a religious system, a mixture of religious system that buries them because the only value in most of the places they are is what they can do to help the minister and build a vision. That's how we see them. They're here for a purpose. We're not there as ministers for their purpose. They're there for our purpose. That is what has to be torn down. That can exist in the holy place. That's the mixture of the Babylonian church system with, with, with the righteousness of God and the kingdom of God. And so I'm gonna to end today with verse 17 and 18. And then tomorrow I'm going to start in uh, Zechariah chapter three and end up in Joel chapter two. It says, learn to do what? Right. Seek justice, relieve the oppressed and correct the oppressor, defend the fatherless and plead for the widow. This word I'm about to read is Jesus standing as a war trumpet in Revelation chapter one. Come now. In chapter one, two and three. Come now. Let us reason together. Let's look at things how they are in my sight. Revelation two and three is about come now, let us reason together what our true spiritual state is. And when we see that these things are in the church, in our lives, in our families, then I'm here to help you. I'm gonna give you the grace to repent. I'm gonna give you the grace to change. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a miracle finishing third day work to form you into overcomers, a bride, sons of God, a man-child company, and form you into a wheel within a wheel and an army of the Lord. I'm gonna give you a miracle if you'll just repent and change and trust me to finish you. And I'll bring you forth the way that I'm supposed to. So come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet. Look at the hope here, right? They shall be as white as snow. They are, though they are red and crimson, let them, they shall be like wool. That's a finishing work of the Lord right there. That is how God is going to change us from where we were as a people to what we are to become. I wanna remind you that the Lord said to me many years ago, Henry, what I'm making you is more valuable to me than anything you'll ever do for me. And so this is verse 19 and 20, and this is where I'm gonna end. If you are willing, notice you have to be willing and obedient. Those are the two things that we're missing in their offerings. If you be willing and obedient to what I want, you shall eat of the good of the land. Joel chapter two, look at an army that's eating the good of the land. We'll look at it tomorrow. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Thank you, Lord. This was a powerful word of the Lord today. I don't know how many already did digest it. You know, it's a surely meat and manna about what God is looking at. It's sobering because I have to examine my life by it. I got to examine my family by it. You've got to examine your life and your family by it, your church and your ministry. 
And that's why this, this message won't reach uh, many, but it may reach the few. I'm not worried about the many. Matter of fact, I have no control over who this is going to go to. God does. I can't promote it. I can only ask you to make sure that you write a comment on the comment line, like it on Facebook and, and, and subscribe. If you do those things, then, then the algorithm spreads it further. That's the only thing I can tell you so that you have a part in help spreading that with us. But this is that current moment of time where the glory of God is here. We're fine and fire, full of salt, those feet burning like an oven. And he's doing such an intense work in your life and cooperating. You're going to become a, a master builder, an architect, having the blueprints, the new kingdom blueprints for this day and this hour. That's what we receive at the convergences. That's what we receive in our own personal time for your life, for your family, for your church or ministry. Isn't that what God would want so that this day won't come upon you unawares? Don't you want to be in a position where he can show you the things that have come, come hereafter so you can be prepared ahead of time? I do. I hope you do. Father, we thank you for this word today. Lord, again, I pray such a supernatural release, supernatural strengthening, an impartation of your glory. Father, enable us, equip us, and we give you permission to burn up everything in our life, our minds, our heart, our body, soul, emotions. Lord, of the residue of the church age, of the Babylonian church structure, our mindsets, our thinking, Lord, what we see, what we thought, Lord, that isn't of your kingdom, we give you permission to remove everything within us, God, that is not in alignment with your kingdom, your purposes, and your plans. And we invite you, refiner's fire and full of soap, we invite you, spirit of judgment and spirit of burning, to come and finish us and complete us. And we're not going to run away. We're not going to kick or scream. We're going to trust you that you, the God who started this good work in us, will be faithful to complete it. I release such a strengthening such an equipping. Lord, let the scales fall off of our eyes so that we can see. Let the wax come out of our ears so we can hear. Let the hardness be removed in our hearts so that we can receive and welcome the message of your kingdom, the message of preparation, God. I pray for the pastors and the Bible ministries still, Lord, who have not seen that, that today their eyes would be open, their ears would be able to hear, hearts would be understand together, Lord, that we can transition out of the church age into the kingdom age, so that we can let go of what's passed away to enter into what's unfolding before us. Individually, as families, as couples, Lord, our, our families, our mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, all of our extended family, and those that we love and know in the body of Christ, may your glory be seen, may your glory be known. I pray such a strengthening, let it invade our families. Let it invade the churches and the ministries, Lord. Let this Holy Spirit invasion of your pure holy love come like fire and burn up, Lord, and critically appraise for the day of fires here. We're standing in the day of fire where everything is being tested by fire. And let, Lord, we pray that all the wood, hay, and stubble that we may have in our life, work, ministry, family, burn up now. So that the only thing that when we come before you is precious metals, gems, rubies, diamonds, Lord, that will pass the test. Now to you, Lord, who can do exceedingly above all that we ask or think, to you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Listen, later on, when I post this on Facebook, okay, write on the Facebook comments underneath what you thought. That's where I need the algorithms, right, right there. Share it with others if this was valuable to you. 
You don't have to, but if you could write a comment on that, it would be a blessing. Same thing on the YouTube page. If, when you, if you watch it on YouTube, comment on there for us, please. Help us get this spread further. Amen. These are life-changing, transformational preparation. Because this is the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is a transformational marriage supper of the Lamb and its work. I can't wait for tomorrow to finish up with this. And then we'll be gone for maybe about a month off of this type of broadcast. But we will be broadcasting from live from, uh, from uh, New York. And I'll be sharing with you between now and then. I'll be coming on. So keep 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 your eye on Facebook. And if you subscribe to our page or become a follower of our page, you'll get notifications that we'll be going online. Amen. Again, again, I want to thank you for watching the broadcast. You've been faithful. Blessings of the Lord. And thank you for those of you that are praying for us, encouraging us, and those of you that have been a blessing to give financial blessings. We still have some needs, beloved, that I ask you to pray about. And really pray for us right now. I, I, Don and I need to finish up so that we can get prepared for this journey. We're, we're, we're close, but we just need some more to be able to get finished between now and when we leave, everything that we need. And so if you pray for us, please ask God to find those that he's touching and being willing you know, to, uh, to, 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 to release those financial blessings. I know God can feed by a raven. I believe God in miracles. But I know that the majority of the time God works through his people. All the gold and silver is his, cattle on the clouds and hills, and he puts it in our hands to do what he would want us to do with it. So pray for those that are willing to hear on our behalf, that Philippian people, that God would touch them. And if that's you, I thank you if you've done that already. And if God touches you that, to do more, that's between you and the Lord. And I, we appreciate it. But just go before the Lord for us and see what the Lord says on how to pray for us effectively. And if the Lord asks you to do something and you're watching this for the first time or the 10th time or the 100th time, just obey the Lord. Giving is for living and living is for giving. And it's between you and the Lord. No one has to give anything. No one has to do anything. No strings attached. Freely you receive, freely give. But we do pray that God is able to touch people like you and others that love the Lord and love us as people. Don and I as people, as servants of the Lord. You know, and and love us to be able to help send us like they did at Philippia to do the work of the Lord. That's what we're praying for and asking for. If we can serve you in any way, how can we help you? How can we serve you? How can we bless you? Just send us an email. Uh, my email's up there, or you can send to Reverend Lim at admin at flameoffire2007.org. And any prayer request, we're here to pray and stand with you. Please check out our website. It's got a lot of valuable information about this kingdom movement. I put post the words of the day on there. There's music on there. The series that of these last uh, uh, two years are listed on there so you can find them. Click on the link. You can go right to the videos and then you can follow them along. So there's a lot of valuable information on there for you. All right. Thank you so much for watching the broadcast today. We love you and we'll see you tomorrow. The last time for this time. Uh, same time, same station. And God bless you all. We love you and we appreciate you very, very much. Bye-bye.